The title of today's show is Raising a Child with Autism Spectrum Disorder. On this episode of OEL, the ladies bring awareness to autism. We talk to medical doctor, author, fitness coach, and mother of an autistic son, Dr. Diana Lake, about the facts and myths of the disorder. Through this conversation, we hope our audience can gain a better understanding of autism. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some juicy conversation that is sure to be on everyone's lips. Prepare to be inspired through authentic conversations that is sure to be on everyone's lips. Welcome to episode 10 of On Everyone's Lips. We're so happy you all chose to listen to us. My name is Monique, a.k.a. Mo. My name is Lindsay J. My name is Chelsea Jade, and we are the ladies of OEL. What's up, y'all? What y'all getting into? It's Labor Day weekend. How y'all feeling? I'm feeling good. Yes. Ready to relax, enjoy my day off. I know that's real. (laughs) Yes. It's called Labor Day, but labor will be relaxed. (laughs) Believe that. Y'all getting into anything exciting this weekend so far? No, I had a family weekend. Um, We did a dedication to my brother Memorial on Saturday, and then I had breakfast with my family, and uh, it was was really nice. Cool. And then tomorrow, chilling. Yep. It's always good to relax and enjoy spending time with family. I actually um, went wedding dress shopping yesterday and that was so so exciting I, of course I'm not getting married but my uh, <laughs> my little cousin is getting married and I went with his fiance and it, that was really fun because I've never done that I've never been a part of a wedding or a wedding party so I had a lot of fun it was exciting it Definitely something I think I would love to do, like, in my retirement age, just go and work at a wedding. Yeah, I think it was was so fun. And just seeing all the women in their dresses feeling beautiful and excited about that time. Right. So something interesting. I think I would love to do that. It sounds fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really fun. What about you, Chelsea Date? I'm not doing anything. No, that's real. (laughs) Nothing. No plans. Just to relax. (laughs) Well, today we are going to be talking about autism. And we have a special guest in studio with us. Dr. Dye's expertise in medicine, fitness, and holistic lifestyle makes her a perfect speaker on various topics. She is both relatable and engaging. Her previous speaking engagements have focused on disease prevention, body confidence, nutrition, exercise, and strength training. She is also an advocate of work-life balance, emotional wellness, self-care while caring for a special needs child, and using organic foods and supplements to elevate your mood and overall health. It is our pleasure to welcome Dr. Diana Lake to the studio. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. And so... Before we get into our specific topic, um, I just want to give our audience a brief synopsis of what autism is. So autism or autism spectrum disorder, um, abbreviated as ASD, refers to a broad range of conditions characterized by challenges with social skills, repetitive behaviors, speech and nonverbal communication. And according to the Centers for Disease Control, autism affects an estimated one in 59 children in the United States today. Wow. Absolutely. I'm definitely excited because I don't know much on this topic, so I'm really excited to um, get, gain knowledge about this with you here, Diana. I'm, I'm very appreciative you came out to speak with us on this. 
You're welcome. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. welcome. So one of the first things uh, that we wanted to ask um, was, what are the signs that you saw in your child that made you aware that they may have autism? So before I answer the question, the one in 59, that Mm -hmm. number Mm -hmm. is just that that is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it was one in 69. It was one in, you know, 75. So it's getting smaller and smaller. So the incidence and the prevalence is getting higher. Wow. Um, And, you know, the question is, why are we seeing more kids on the spectrum? Is it because we're just diagnosing more or because there's something in our environment and something in our foods that, you know, so there's a lot of talk about why there's so many more kids being, you know, diagnosed. So that's one thing I just wanted to highlight Mm -hmm. is that the number is actually going up. Wow. You know, Um, but there's a good point to that is that now we're more aware Mm -hmm. and we can do more, you know, Mm -hmm. we can have more treatment and more access to all of the things that are available to help kids. So when you have someone like me Mm -hmm. who has a child that I'm living with, with the, you know, with the disorder, I can tell parents in the ER because I'm an ER physician. So Mm -hmm. I've picked out many kids in the ER where I can just look at them and be like, oh, He's on a spectrum, you know, because I, I can just pick up a lot of things right. without even having a conversation with the parent. Right. Wow. I can just see their mm-hmm. behavior, the repetitive behavior, or there's just some things that when you've been around a child with autism for a while, you'll know, you know, you mm-hmm. just pick up. Uh, so to answer your question, um, with my kid, he was about two years old, um, Maybe 22 months going on, you know, going on two. It was about 22 months when he started to regress. So regression is um, one of those hallmark signs in autism where the kid has already achieved a development, you know, a milestone. With with my son, he was really precocious. Like he knew stuff before hand. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he was doing his letters, his numbers by mm-hmm. like 18 months. He was, you know, he was really advanced for his age. Mm-hmm. And then around 22 months, he started regressing, mm. meaning you learned something and now you don't know how to do it again. Okay. Oh, wow. You okay. lose the ability. Okay. Right? So that's hallmark. One of the hallmark signs is that they've learned an activity. They've learned, you know, some ability, something to, that they should be able to do at that age. And then they lose the ability to do it. And you're like, wait a minute, what happened? Right. right? Mm-hmm. You, you were counting, you were doing all this stuff, and now you can't even talk? Oh. You know, I mean, it, for him, it was like stark. Okay. He went from being this very active, mm-hmm. you know, kid, mm-hmm. able to speak and do these things. And then out of a sudden, it was just like he went the opposite direction. Okay. Yeah. And we knew that that wasn't typical. Something was up. Right, Yeah. Uh, especially because that didn't happen with his older brother. So that was, especially if you've had a child already, mm-hmm. you can see the differences between the children pretty easily. If it's your first child and your you know, new parent, you may, it may be a little longer before you pick it up because you don't know. Exactly. You don't know what sense. to expect. Um, and so that's one big one is the regression in ability. You want, once we're able to do something and now you can't. Another one is the social interaction. For my child, he really wouldn't give you eye contact. Mm-hmm. You know, he was kind of internally, you know, he would have these internal stimuli. You know, you could see something was getting him excited, 
but it wasn't the things we were doing. He had like his own little thing going on where he would be excited about something and playing with his toys or doing something alone and just self-involved, you know, um, and we could be doing a whole bunch of other stuff around him and it wouldn't phase him at all. Like he just would not, you know, no engage. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so the lack of interest in what everybody else was doing, um, having that internal world, spinning things, you know, repetitive spinning, mm-hmm. wanting things in a certain order, mm-hmm. you know, pick, putting the car, you know, the cars or the trains or the Lego blocks in I wouldn't say it was odd, but just unusual mm-hmm. setups that, you know, a typical child would probably not do it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, most kids would probably just have it all over the place. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. But it was like with him, it had to be a specific order. order. It mm-hmm. had to be diagonal and, you know, just oh, wow. the, that kind of thing. And oh. you're like, hmm, what is this? What mm-hmm. are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, and you try to just be curious mm-hmm. and see what, what it is. And you would see that you know, frequently where those things are happening. And the trigger for me was, I remember coming home and this was a point where, and I was a lot more careful about his milestones because I kind of started to suspect something was going on. So I started looking to see, okay, he's at this stage. What should it, you know, what should be happening at this point? Mm -hmm. And what I want to say here is this is a broad range of normal for kids. Mm -hmm. Some kids don't walk till... 17 months, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Like you expect them to walk by one year. Right. A lot of parents will freak out if their kid is not walking by one year. But still, if they walked at 18 months, that's still okay. Mm -hmm. You know, so I want people to know there's a broad spectrum of milestones for Mm -hmm. kids. Some of them are super early. Some of them are super late. Like, both of my kids were crawling before they were nine months. You mm-hmm. know, they're crawling at, like, seven, mm-hmm. eight months, you know. And then some kids don't crawl till they're about 11 months. Mm-hmm. So I want people to know that that is a normal spectrum. Okay. And then you've got the other spectrum of, you know, behaviors that are not normal. Right. You know, so you need to be able to discern the difference. The yeah, difference. you know what right. I mean? Right. So I don't want people thinking, oh, my God, my kid hasn't done this, <laughs> you know, right. by this I time. And then you start worrying. you. So you need to know what the normal range of typical milestone development is. Mm -hmm. And then when you fall out of that normal range, you need to know what that is also. Uh, So for him, like the repetitive, you know, behavior, definitely a typical, you know, especially if it's just really over and over and over. You know, um, a typical developing kid may spin something one or two times Mm -hmm. then then move over to something else. Mm -hmm. Right. But when it's 30 times, you know, I mean, just sitting there like, you know. Over and over again, then you start to notice. So the repetitive behavior, the the lack of social interaction, and um, what I was saying before about coming home, and most kids will run to you, right? Mama, right? They see uh-huh. you at the door. They run to you. They want to hug you. They want to greet you. Yes. That wasn't happening, right? It wasn't happening, and I was sad mm-hmm. by it. I right. was like... I just walked in the door and this kid is like just sitting there, you know. What was his, what was his reaction? He would look. Mm-hmm. He would look up mm-hmm. and then go back to mm-hmm. whatever he was his doing. toy. Yeah. Or, I, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. There was no instinctive reaction to, oh, mama's home and, you know, yeah. run and that I've kind of thing. I've heard that they don't show much affection. Like affection is, is that. You see, that's funny because with my kid, mm-hmm. as he's grown and as we've done, we've poured into him okay. lots of intervention. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he is eight now going into the third grade. Uh, 
fully verbal, fully, you know, he would, I would say he's on the higher functional side okay. of the spectrum now, but that's from 2013 to now. So over six years, we've mm-hmm. put in a lot of work and mm-hmm. patience and, you know, support right. and, um, you know, getting therapies and all those things. So that's why he's progressed so well. Mm-hmm. A lot of families that I see where the progression doesn't happen if their their kid is on the level of my kid is either because they're ignoring it mm-hmm. or they're saying, oh, they're just shy. They don't interact because they're shy. Make an excuse. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. or in denial. Yep. Mm-hmm. Don't want to accept. A lot of times I feel like moms accept it quicker than dads. Dads mm-hmm. are like, my son is fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm-hmm. leave him alone. He's fine. He's just mm-hmm. shy. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. You know, and so you mm-hmm. kind of have to get people to, a lot of times for me, it's easier for me to tell the parent because I listen, my child is on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So if I'm telling you this is because I care Exactly. And I want to make sure from, that, yes, yeah, my come from is, mm-hmm. listen, mm-hmm. don't ignore this because you can do something about it. You can do something about it and you can change this child's life. Exactly. And their ability to be an adult, that's independent. Mm-hmm. So if you keep stuffing this and not mentioning it and keeping it in the family and, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of our communities, we like to keep things mm-hmm. on the, you know, right. under the exactly. rug, you like know, more, yeah. yeah, you know. And, and the so, earlier you catch it, the better, absolutely. the more you can do. Absolutely. And I wanted to ask you something on that when you mentioned your son is like on the other side of the spectrum now, because um, I know that there are different types of autism. So if if someone does have uh, maybe a more severe is it possible to work with them and possibly move them towards getting on a less severe side of it? Or is it kind of already too far gone? You know, that's a great question. So mm-hmm. it's basically based on where the the kid starts. Mm-hmm. So there are more boys with autism than girls, uh, just the way the statistics, you know, go. Uh, so a lot of times we'll see them, the, the boys, very few times I've seen girls. Um, so when the kid comes in, um, usually when they're doing the assessment, they'll ask, are they verbal at all? Mm-hmm. So it, are they even able to make language? Okay. That is a great, you know, uh, we call it prosnoxtis, you know, prosnoxtis. Yeah, I can't even talk. <laughs> <laughs> you're fine. I don't know how to know what you're saying. So I, I was going to say prognosis. Is it basically, which is the terminology we use in medicine to mm-hmm. say how well is this going to go for this person? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, okay. tr- traditionally, if someone comes in at this level, from what we know, how well is it going to go for this person? Is Is it a good chance Mm -hmm. that they're going to improve is it kind of too far gone is it you know so if they have verbal ability most times they can do better because they oh you already know they're able to speak Mm -hmm. right so the thing with autism a lot of people um have communication issues when they're on the spectrum so are they able to produce language at all and then that kind of puts you into two pathways. You know, either you're nonverbal mm-hmm. and you cannot speak, uh, you cannot, you know, you may be able to gesture, you know, and those people typically, if they're completely nonverbal, most times also their intelligence would be pretty low. Mm-hmm. Okay. So some of them are very, very low IQ. So it really depends on, you know, where they present, you know, when mm-hmm. they're diagnosed. So mm-hmm. if they're diagnosed and they can already make language, they can already 
say certain words, you know, but maybe they just don't understand idioms, you know, things right. like things mm-hmm. that uh, inferences, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. Things that are just more complex, like a more, you know, you know higher level of thinking. Right. You can work with those people. Right. Mm-hmm. You can actually teach them mm-hmm. and you can move them further up the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So if you come in and this person is completely nonverbal, maybe four or five years old, still in a diaper, you know, those kids, you can still work with them. But like I was saying, the prognosis for them mm-hmm. is lower. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're just way, way low on the spectrum. But it's not to say they cannot improve. They still can improve, but their improvement wouldn't be expected to be the same right. as an, a, another kid who maybe is able to read, mm-hmm. but just has a lot of behavioral issues mm-hmm. or just has a lot of social issues. Because right. that's a different, you know, that's, that's why it's called a spectrum. Mm-hmm. Each kid literally will be somewhere different on that spectrum. Right. And depending on how they're coming in is where you start and look at their deficiencies. Like, okay, what are they good at? Mm-hmm. Let's feed on that. Let's use that to reinforce them. And then where are they struggling? Let's get therapies for those areas. So that's kind of the way you work it. Okay. So no matter who it is, you can still get improvement, you know, depending on their ability, depending on what they're able to do. Oh, wow. That's good to know. That is good to know. Are are there different types of autism? If so, what are they? Do they have names for these spectrums or is just general spectrums, different spectrums within autism? So basically the autism spectrum disorder. Now the few things have been kind of clumped into one. You used to have something called, um, you know, Asperger's syndrome is still, a lot of people still call it Asperger's syndrome, but it is now under autism. Mm -hmm. So that's one. Um, Asperger's, um, they tend to have normal intelligence. Uh, They tend to be kind of your geek your geeky guy, you know, mm-hmm. that's quirky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, um, so uh, they tend to have normal intelligence, but uh, where they suffer or have challenges is with the social interaction, the nonverbal communication, mm-hmm. right? Picking up cues of, you know, you said something to someone and they're angry or they're upset and maybe it's only in their body language, mm-hmm. but sometimes they don't pick that up. And they keep going, mm-hmm. <laughs> you right. know, uh, and you're like, did you not see what you just said? Right. Offended this person, mm-hmm. you know, like, so the nonverbal right. cues, that yes, that oh, normally oh. you will be able to pick up people with Asperger's sometimes struggle with that. Mm-hmm. They can't read between the lines. They're very literal. Mm-hmm. Okay. And actually, my son is pretty literal, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if you said something like, um, it's raining cats and dogs. Mm-hmm. He might say, he doesn't do this anymore, but he might say, I don't see cats and dogs. You okay. see what I'm saying? Okay. So Absolutely. the okay. idioms yeah. and, and mm-hmm. things that we say in the English language, especially English is so difficult. It right. is. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. so we say so many things that don't mean what it really is. Right. <laughs> what, exactly. Like yes. literally mm-hmm. doesn't translate, right. you yes. know. So for, for people with Asperger's, sometimes that's a challenge with translating Phrases and, mm-hmm. and, you know, ways of speaking, figures of speech and right. things like that can be difficult to translate because they're seeing it literally like the way it sounds, mm-hmm. where the meaning in the English language may be different. Right. Right. So things like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have those um, ranges where people are on the spectrum, but you could be completely nonverbal with mental retardation. Mm-hmm. You could be a higher functioning 
autistic person where you have a regular job, you know, you have responsibilities, you have a family, you know, and the, most people won't even know you're on the spectrum until maybe you're stressed, wow. you know, and then it comes out. That's like the show deficiencies itself. show up, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so you can have people, you know, with different levels mm-hmm. on, on the spectrum. And you mentioned uh, making the different prognosis. So how is autism diagnosed? Like what is the, what does the test consist of? So uh, each family probably has a different experience, how they got their child diagnosed. Um, I mean, in the ER, I've seen kids coming 10 years old, still not diagnosed. Mm. Family is still kind of making excuses for what's going on with the kid, knowing that it's something wrong. So typically what we do, the pediatrician mm-hmm. is what we hope would be the first person to make the recommendation for testing. Um, So at two, there is an autism checklist that all kids at Mm -hmm. two are supposed to have when they go to see their doctor. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping that they're being caught Mm -hmm. at two, right? If they fail that test, like if the check marks that are not being checked, you know, they're not meeting those milestones. Then the first thing that typically will go through Wait, is... Wait, every pediatrician is supposed to do at this? At two years old. Oh, okay. Every two-year-old mm-hmm. is supposed, when they go for their... Shots their and stuff. For, yeah, yeah, for their visit. Yeah. Okay. They're supposed to have this checklist. And that's oh, a standard wow. part yes. of, like, the checkup. Yep. Wow. The standard that's part of the checkup. I've ever been told that I before. didn't know that yeah. either. Yeah. So when you go in, they're supposed to do this checklist mm-hmm. and see developmentally mm-hmm. if the child... Has any deficiencies? Is there anything they're not doing that they should be doing at two? Wow. Okay. And that's right. f- as far as like physical. Like it's not. Are they are they speaking? Are they mm-hmm. using a spoon? Are they right. you know like okay. all, everything? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then they'll talk to you about the engagement, the social piece. Mm-hmm. Do they give you hugs? Do they smile? Do they mm-hmm. smile appropriately mm-hmm. at things that they should be smiling at? Do they you know? Do they engage with you? you know, appropriately for that age level. So they'll ask you all of those questions. And then if you're saying no, 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 Mm -hmm. and, you know, there are things that they're not checking off, then they need to go to the next level, Mm -hmm. which will be they have to see um, a developmental pediatrician. Has this always been around, this checklist? Like, or was this something that's recently been implemented? I'm not sure if it's always been around, but it's okay. definitely there now. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm not sure when, you know, it became standard, mm-hmm. but it's definitely there now. Okay. Um, and that's good to know. Because you mentioned the um, checkup with the two-year-old and, you know, I wanted to ask as far as has vaccines, because we've heard that vaccines maybe could cause this. Do you know, can you speak on that a little bit? As far as uh, increasing since measles, mumps, and rubella, the MMR vaccine mm-hmm. um, has been shown to increase autism. Do you have any experience in that? So there's a lot of talk about, you know, vaccines. A, a lot of people use this for reasons not to vaccinate their kids. I am definitely pro-vaccination. Okay. Um, you know, my children are vaccinated. Um, <laughs> I've seen children come into the ER who are not vaccinated and what ends up happening to them. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you so, see the other side of oh, that. Oh, yes. Exactly. Yes, because yeah. a lot of times the people who are against vaccination, mm-hmm. they haven't had their kid get sick. Um, you know, they're saying, oh, there's going to be herd immunity, which mm-hmm. is this idea of everybody else around you being immune mm-hmm. so your kid would be fine. Not true. Okay. There are all kinds of, you know, uh, measles outbreaks and stuff going on now because of all these people who are not vaccinated. But as far as the connection between the vaccines um, and autism in particular, 
you've got all kinds of, you know, people on different sides of defense of it. Some people are saying, oh, you know, we feel that something's happening in the body when you vaccinate with all these vaccines and then it's causing some kind of a mutation that's making these children become autistic. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I have addressed it with my patients mm-hmm. is I tell them, make sure you're just getting two vaccines at a time. Because I do feel that from the studies that have been done, when you have so many vaccines together, mm-hmm. you know, kids will come up with fever and, you know, okay. they have higher incidence of reactions. So not saying that the vaccine itself is causing someone to have autism, but when you have more vaccines together, you definitely increase the risk of having an adverse effect. Okay. Right? That, so what that I, makes, that sense. makes sense. Yeah, and yeah. what I tell the patient basically is, listen, if you go to your pediatrician, you have a voice. Mm-hmm. Just tell them, I can come back and we can split this. You know, you can right. do two today. We can come back in two weeks, get the other two. You know, um, I think we're learning a lot more about the the side effects of vaccines as we go through and see all these things that are happening with kids. Um, but I would not say do not vaccinate your kid because you're worried that they're going to get autism. There's so many more other you know, in, you know, factors that come into play that, you know, causes someone to, to be autistic. Is it genetic? Can autism be gen- genetic? Is it hereditary? So, so basically right now they're doing a lot of gene testing, you know, just like they do for breast cancer or for other things to see if there's a certain gene, gene that you have that you're born with that increases your likelihood to become autistic. And right now, at this point, they're seeing similarities. So it's, it's, not, an answer you, it's not a question you can say yes or no to right okay. now. Because they're seeing that from the studies they're doing, there are certain commonalities they're seeing in people who have autism, mm-hmm. where they're saying, okay, we see many of them have this change oh, okay. in this particular okay. gene. But they can't say for sure that, you know, if you have this gene, this this change in this particular gene that you're going to be autistic. Gotcha. So there's not a cause and effect, but they're seeing a similarity where people who are on the spectrum, they're seeing a similarity where many of them tend to have a particular, you know, pattern. Okay. In their, in, when they're looking at their, their genome. Thank which you. is kind of like the full DNA picture. Right. Right. Thank so, you for that information. Yeah. And thank you for the information on vaccinations, because I know there's a lot of mothers out there who, you know, that question comes up. Should I vaccinate? Should I not? I know getting off the topic a little bit, no, but no, it's, it's great. On, it's on well, no, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on it. I have a lot of friends who actually don't agree with vaccines. Yeah. And they are doctors. They're, I've, I've had colleagues who did not vaccinate their kids, and we found out, you know, just in conversation, like, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and they, they are just really opposed. Some of them are really opposed to the idea of vaccinating their children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then, of course, when a child comes into the emergency department with a fever, mm-hmm. we that's a question we need to know. Have your child been vaccinated? Mm-hmm. Right. Because if they haven't, then there's a whole slew of other tests we have to do for that child because they're not immune to hemophilus. They're not immune to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things they're not immune to right. that now we have to test for, mm-hmm. for that particular kid. Mm-hmm. And they may even need to go into quarantine, you mm-hmm. know, so it's not, right. it's not trivial. Yeah. Right. You know, when an unvaccinated kid shows up in the ER, we are scared. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could be coming with, with anything. 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 <laughs> yeah. We're like, like, woo. 
Yes. Right. I like how you mentioned. Lock them up. Yeah. No, because you know. Shut it down. Come away from the rest of the population. Yes. Because you're coming in and especially if you've traveled. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's like a whole nother level. Do you travel with not having your immunization shots? I mean, it's not something the airlines are looking for. So you can travel. And Mm -hmm. when you travel to especially if you're going to places that we call endemic for certain things, you know, if you go to a Caribbean country or you go to South Asia or you go to, you know, certain places, you could come back with other stuff. Mm-hmm. We worry about malaria, Zika, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like a whole bunch of other stuff. So mm-hmm. if you have no immunity and you come back and you're sick, we're scared. Mm, yes. <laughs> it's definitely we're like, something to be scared of. Yes. yes. We're like, we don't know yeah. what this person is coming in with. So, yeah. Yes. They need to go over here. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, since um, you mentioned earlier about parents who are in denial with a, a child that's autistic, mm-hmm. how do you, what do you suggest to help them you know, come to reality? How do you get parents to to get real with themselves and say, okay, my child, it, there may be something here? Great question. I just tell my story. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the look on a parent's face when their child has autism and they show up in the ER and I tell them I have an autistic kid, they're like, so you understand. Mm-hmm. First, it's like the first thing right, they're like, relief. okay, yeah, somebody knows feeling. what I'm going through. Relatability. And, mm-hmm. and and they're like, okay, let me tell you what's really going on. Right. <laughs> so then the whole thing comes yeah. out. Because sometimes they feel that this doctor doesn't really get mm-hmm. me okay. or what's right. going on with me. So they won't, you know, they won't give you the full information. They'll just give you enough to get by. Mm-hmm. But when they know you get it and they know you understand their life and what they deal with every day, they just spill it all. Right. So that's the first thing is the parent who comes in who already knows that your kid is on the spectrum for the parent who comes in and you know that something's going on, but you see that they're in denial. The best way is to just show them what's possible. That's what I do. I just show them, listen, my kid, you know, when we started, his vocabulary was less than 50 words. We just really low, really low. I said, because of the intervention that we've given him, you know, speech therapy, occupational therapy, you know, parent teaching and training so that the parent and the the people in the home know how to interact with him and continue the education at home because it's every day. Every day you got to keep practicing, you know, just like the professionals do. (laughs) The ball players, they they shoot 300, whatever, you know, you know, they they practice, right? They do the practicing so they can be the best they can be. And that's what we have to do with the kids. And so I, I show them, this is what I did for my kid. Now he's, you know, he's going into third grade. He's getting awards. He's, you know, his speech is probably better than most three, you know, so third graders at this yeah, point. Um, he still has his challenges socially. You know, right now his challenges are more social than academic. You know, um, but that's because we've just been on it and on it and on it and on it. And I show them, I say, this is where we started. This is where we are. Imagine how you would feel when your child is doing this. Would you like that? Right. How would you feel if your child went from where they are now with the proper intervention? They're now able to do basic stuff like button their pants. Yeah. Zip their, you know, jacket. 
You know, I mean, with my son, we're still practicing. This is a skill he should have probably learned by six years old. We're still practicing tying shoelaces. Mm-hmm. But he's better. We practiced last night and he got both shoes on maybe the third try. It's good. Before it was three hours. It's good. Wow, that's a big, yeah. Yeah, yes. that's a win. Right? That's a, win. a huge win. That's a will, win. Well, your son, and I guess to ask, because I know you said everyone's on a different spectrum, will he ever have the possibility of ever like living independently or is when you do have that, will they always have to stay with you um, or always have to depend on someone to be around? Cause I know you said he's improved a lot yes. with your help. Um, but and I always wonder that. And that's mm-hmm. a great question because mm-hmm. that's what most parents, Fear. well, all parents mm-hmm. want for their children, right? Mm-hmm. You have a child, you want them to grow into mm-hmm. an have independent adult, get married right? Exactly. Yeah, right. Absolutely. You want them to have, mm-hmm. you know, a full life. So there are lots of kids who are on the higher functioning side of the spectrum Mm -hmm. who grow and go to college. Mm -hmm. They have their own dorm room. Mm -hmm. They have jobs. They have, uh, you know, lives uh, of their own. They get married. Mm -hmm. They have kids. So, yes, you can actually grow into an adult uh, Mm -hmm. and have a, uh, you know, independent life. There are services. I live in Howard County, and Howard County has amazing, amazing special needs resources. Mm -hmm. The funny thing is we moved there not even knowing that we would have a kid on the spectrum. Um, We moved there for schools. (laughs) (laughs) We we moved there because the schools were great. And and it just so happened that the school in the the neighborhood that I'm in had a, a, a rec program a pre-K program for children with disabilities. Mm, wow. Literally awesome. four blocks away. It was a blessing. Unfor- not, a, not even, yes. we didn't even we know didn't moving know, into the uh, neighborhood right. that that was there. Mm-hmm. And then when we found out, you know, he was on the spectrum, the person who came and did our in-home evaluation told us, well, you know, you're in the right district. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You, you know, there's a school right down the street that mm-hmm. has a rec program. And once he turns three, mm-hmm. he will go right into there. Wow. That is amazing. Yes. And so he went into that school um, and he went there from pre-K. He did three, four, five pre-K. So three years of pre-K. And then when he turned six, he went into first uh, into kindergarten. And mm-hmm. now he's going into third grade and he's eight. That's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. What a and blessing. It is. What it a really blessing. is. I mean, it wasn't something we planned at all. Mm-hmm. And I've had doctor friends, other friends, other mom friends who have moved to Howard County because of their special needs um, resources yes. that they weren't getting, you know, in Montgomery County and other places in Maryland. Mm-hmm. They moved to Howard County because the resources are just awesome. Is it a requirement in every school to maybe bring it to the parents' attention if it's something going on with the child, like if they're not learning at a certain Right. I'm not sure what the the requirement is for schools, but I know that, you know, you have two things you can do as a parent. If you feel that your child is kind of lagging and not keeping up, you can ask for accommodations. Mm-hmm. So you can ask for something called a 504 plan, 504, a 504 plan um, where the school psychologist or the school, I don't know what is in each school, but they you typically have some kind of a counselor or something like that will evaluate the child and see if the child needs to have accommodations. And then they'll typically have the child see a psychologist and the school, you know, provides that. 
to see if there's something going on with the child that, you know, are they on, are they ADHD? Do they have, you know, a learning disability? Is it dyslexia? You know, because it doesn't have to be autism. Mm -hmm. It could be some other form of disability Mm -hmm. that's preventing them from keeping up. Mm-hmm. So whatever that is, they can then assess them and make sure that they figure what what it is and then give them accommodations. It could be either changing their position in the classroom, moving them closer to the, to the teacher's desk, giving them a checklist that they have to follow every day, maybe having them test in a separate space where they have less distractions. You know, it, I mean, they could have a plethora of things. There's a website called uh, understood.org. Understood.org is for basically this kind of stuff. Parents wanting to know what to do for a child who has some variation of a disability. You go to understood.org and it gives you a whole lot of information. So parents can go there and they can get information about schools, information about the community, you know, what's in the community that you can use, you know, information about uh, support groups, you know, um, and other organizations that will support whatever that condition is that your child has. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Okay. And then, <clears throat> go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So being a parent of an autistic child, what are some ways you cope with stress? Um, and what are some tips that you can share? Yeah, because it's stressful. Oh, just my God. Being a parent, period, <laughs> child. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is extremely stressful, especially if you're trying to teach your child something and they're not getting it. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> I, I, believe me, I know. Okay, I don't so have the patience, child. So pause right there before you continue on. Does Do you have, like, some type of conversation with your child that, like, does he know that he has a disorder? Or is it something that you do not tell them? Uh, he knows that he has a condition okay. that um, is different from mm-hmm. a typically developing child. Okay. Okay. Right? I don't typically use the word normal versus abnormal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's different. Right. Right. All right. Because you ultimately get to do the things the other kids are doing. Mm-hmm. You just have a different way of doing Even like tying his shoes. He has his own little way. Mm-hmm. Right. It's mm-hmm. not what I said. It's just a different way. <laughs> he did it a different way. <laughs> but it's right? I don't care how you get it done. <laughs> as long as you got it. And he loops his, you know, he does his own little loop. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the loop, but it ties. And right. I'm like, listen, I don't care as right. long as, you know, we yeah. get to the end result. No, end result. Right. So it's different. Okay. You know, it may take him a little longer mm-hmm. to do something, um, but the ability is still there. You just mm-hmm. have to train. You have to teach. You have to be patient. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of breathing. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you got to put yourself in time out. Like, okay, I need to take a break. <laughs> you know, because you get to a point where you get frustrated. Mm-hmm. You know, you get frustrated and you're like, okay, let's come back to it. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I remember with the, the shoe tying. Mm-hmm. Three hours we were on it mm-hmm. trying to tie those shoes. <laughs> You know, and he was like, Mama, it's been three hours. I was like, okay, <laughs> let's try again tomorrow. Yeah. But at least he got that, you know, and then you praise, you praise a lot, okay. right? You praise a lot for the accomplishments for the that, yes, mm-hmm. for what's actually been, you know, achieved. So, okay, maybe we didn't get the whole, all the steps of tying the shoe, but at least you got the first knot. 
you know, you got that first part. So at least praise for that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you come back to it again. But yes, there's a lot of times where you have to be patient. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you, I was not a patient person <laughs> before I had yeah. children. Oh, I had no time for anything. It right. was just like my level of patience was zilch, <laughs> you know, and I would just move on. If it, you know, yeah, it was right. something that was stressing me out, mm-hmm. I did not have the patience at all to deal with many things. Mm-hmm. And then I had these kids and mm-hmm. it was like, you can't just walk away. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. You right. know, so as a parent, Mm-hmm. It makes you a better person because you love them. Right. Mm-hmm. And you want to see them improve. So you have to dig in yourself to mm-hmm. come up with that that change that needs to happen in you. Mm-hmm. So you can be present and be there to do the stuff that needs to happen with them. That's good. You know what I mean? Because otherwise, yes. you know, it's yes. not going to happen. If yes. you just walk away, they're not going to learn. Yeah. Right. And and then, you know, they're dependent on you. And I don't want them to be dependent on me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I want them to be The ultimate goal is independent. Yes. So yes. it makes you have to kind of, you know, find ways to, to deal with the stress of it. And either, you know, you just take a break, you come back to it. You know, both of you have to do breathing exercises because he's frustrated too. Right. You know, he wants to be done with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you both have to learn to breathe. Some He loves timers. So <laughs> he's like, can I get a timer so I know how long before we start again? <laughs> so I give him his timer, mm-hmm. you know, because if that's works for him, mm-hmm. even though it's not something most kids would probably ask for, I mm-hmm. give it to him because it just makes the transition easier. But how, what are you doing for your self-care for you as a parent who is dealing with that day in, day out? How are you taking care of yourself what do okay. you do for like your, your own fit, is your fitness part of right. like oh so well a, i mean that's actually what how are you taking care of you so actually during the whole you know learning about his disability during that whole time i was going through a divorce so that's actually when the whole fitness thing came about for me mm-hmm. was I was so stressed mm-hmm. learning about his disability, learning about all of the things we would have to do, you know, the different therapies, the change in my schedule. Because mm-hmm. you're used to just doing your nine to five, right? you know, going to work and coming home. But now you got to, you know, you got to do three hours of therapy every day. So you got to put that into your schedule, mm-hmm. you know, and then, like I said, I was going through a divorce. So that was stressful. So I had to figure out a way Mm -hmm. to deal with my stress. And Mm -hmm. fitness was what it was for me. I got to a point where one of my girlfriends, I'm in a mom group called Mocha Moms. I'm going to plug them. (laughs) (laughs) Mocha Moms. Shout out to Mocha Moms. (laughs) You know, Mocha Moms of Howard County. I mean, they're Mocha Mom chapters in many states, probably 30 states by now, or maybe even more. Um, And it's basically a support group for, you know... um, Minority moms, you know, some are stay at home, some are working moms. And so one of my girls from my mocha mom group basically was like, let's go for a run. I had never run a day in my life. (laughs) I remember this. It was uh, 2012. Mm -hmm. And so we went for a run as a way to just kind of get me to Mm -hmm. get that stress out. Mm -hmm. 
and we did two miles that that day and I loved it. I mean the the endorphins, you mm-hmm. know, that feel good feeling after if, if any of you guys run, after you run you just feel amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I loved it and I was like, Oh my gosh, when do we go again? <laughs> yeah, I want this feeling. Right. And that's actually how the whole fitness thing for me started was I was stressed with dealing with, you know, the stuff going on with my children, mm-hmm. going through a divorce. And I had also recently lost my dad from diabetes. Wow. And so it was a lot all happening At in all. a very short period of time. And I needed an escape. I needed something that would kind of be healthy, but also be a stress reliever. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started working out, you know, before I would go. Every now and then, you know, Mm -hmm. just because I knew it was okay, you know, it was a good thing to do, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't committed at all. Mm -hmm. And then in in that time, you know, when I was really at a low, low, low point, you know, I started to do more self-care, you know, uh, whether it was going to the spa just to get a massage, whether it was taking time to just read, Mm -hmm. you know, just read a book, Mm -hmm. you know, taking time to just have gratitude for the other things that were going on that were positive, right? Because sometimes when you're stressed out, you just focus on the stress, yeah, right? But then when you really think about having a gratitude practice Mm -hmm. and a mindfulness practice, which were two things that I pulled into my life, um, it made a huge difference because now I could actually, you know, appreciate the other things that were actually going well, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So that helped with, you know, managing the stress. It's saying, you know what? I've got this other thing that's stressful, but I also have these other things that are working, you know. So the gratitude, the mindfulness, the fitness, um, and uh, just taking time for myself, taking time away, getting a sitter to watch the kids, you know, so I can go do whatever it is that I felt would give me happiness, you know, and, and putting that on my calendar, just like I would put a doctor's visit or anything else that was important. My self-care went on my calendar. It wasn't just a, you know, in the back of my mind. You actually it, 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 yes, the car I put it on my calendar. That's the that's the excellent point. Yes, that's the excellent point. You scheduled it. You made mm-hmm. time for you. Yes, absolutely. Which is awesome. Is there a specific diet regimen that's helpful for children with autism? So, um, when you pull this up on Google, you would get many different schools of thought. Just like for, for anything, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any topic you pull up, you, you'll you see all the different, you know, views. Um, but what most uh, parents with children on the spectrum are doing that, I, I mean, I feel it's worked for me as well, was having a clean diet. Mm-hmm. Clean meaning nothing with dyes, nothing with additives, nothing with preservatives, you know, like all the GMOs and stuff mm-hmm. that gets added to the food. Mm-hmm. So having a really clean diet, we went organic in our household, I want to say probably in that 2012, 2013 period. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really feel that the foods that I am feeding my child is making a difference. Mm-hmm. I really do. You know, going with, you know, gluten-free for him, um, actually almost our entire, we're, we're, I'm doing more gluten-free stuff myself. You mm-hmm. know, we're doing a lot of organics, mm-hmm. you know, um, so the eggs, the milk, the, mm-hmm. you know, all of that stuff. And then supplements. So part of the diet um, is supplements, too. So making sure you've got probiotics so that the gut is healthy. Okay. 
um, making sure that they're doing their omega-3 supplements, you know, the fish oil. Mm -hmm. So the omega-3s have been shown to really significantly improve, you know, kids on the spectrum with their, just their, their, their ability to move from one level to the next. So they've been doing the omega-3 from infancy. I mean, I started with the DHA supplements you can give to your babies, Mm -hmm. you know, like infants. Mm -hmm. And then we moved up. Now they're doing omega-3 gummies. Mm -hmm. So it comes in gummies and even for, it comes in chewables, you know, adults can take the fish oil capsule. Mm-hmm. I do fish oil. I do uh, two fish oil capsules a day. Mm-hmm. Um, that's more for the fitness stuff. You know, people who are looking to lose weight, fish mm-hmm. oil is good for that, too. Um, it improves your metabolism. It increases your liver function with breaking down fats. I'm about to go buy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that's just one one thing in the whole list of things you need to do on the fitness part. But that's part of my fitness, you know, supplements is the fish oil is in there, among other things. Um, but for the children on the spectrum, uh, the fish oil is definitely, and even like you want to get healthy fats. In the meals. Mm-hmm. So wild caught fish, mm-hmm. you know, will give you omega-3s naturally, you mm-hmm. know, in the, in the body of the fish. Mm-hmm. So like salmon, cod, you know, mm-hmm. um, halibut and, and things like that. So you can cook those things, get the wild caught and not the farmed, mm-hmm. you know, and basically that's going to give you more omega-3 naturally. So that's the diet basically is you want to make sure gluten-free no dyes, no, you know, no added sugar. You know, mm-hmm. that's the other thing. Sugar is a big one. No, you know, just clean, just a very clean diet. And it's good. It's healthy anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not even just for a kid with with autism. That's what you should yeah, be everybody eating. Everybody should regardless. probably be doing that. I should be doing that myself. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And mm-hmm. so that helps with, you know, just making it um, easier for them to move up in their abilities, you know, when mm-hmm. their diet is cleaner and they've got their, you know, they've got their probiotics, they've got their supplements and all those things and vitamins too. That's the other thing. A lot of the kids on the spectrum, some of them have eating preferences and, you know, they don't like to eat veggies or they're, you know, like those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are other kids without the disorder who are also picky eaters, you know, mm-hmm. so you got to make sure they're getting their vitamins too. Because many of them will have like vitamin D, magnesium deficiency, you know, and right. things like that. Mm-hmm. So you got to make sure that they're getting all those supplements and getting sources of of it in their meals. Absolutely, it's good information. And I know you mentioned that you're a part of Mocha Moms. Is that I don't? I hope I said Mocha Moms. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, is there other support groups that you know of that um, those parents who are dealing with autistic kids can can join, or they can go visit and visit a uh, Yes. So in the Baltimore area, there's Pathfinders for Autism. So Pathfinders for Autism is a group in Baltimore. There's the Baltimore um, Autism Society. Um, And then you have, you know, the national groups, you know, um, that basically have, I don't know how the national groups work as far as chapters. Um, I'm not sure if they have chapters on the state level or they have them on the county level, but you've got Autism Speaks. Mm-hmm. So that's a national organization. You have American Autism Society. You know, so there's some, um, you know, national groups that you can certainly get resources from. And then they're within your state and within your, you know, your county. 
that there are groups there too. So if anyone wanted to look for a group in their county, they could just type in, you know, autism support groups, you know, Frederick County, you know, or whatever county they're in, you know, and then it'll come up. Uh, so a lot of these groups meet weekly. Some of them meet monthly. And so the parents get to know each other. Some of the kids get to know each other. Some of them will have respite for the other kids mm-hmm. who are not on the spectrum in the family so that the siblings can get together and then they can share their experience with each other, like the teens, especially, mm-hmm. you know, the, a lot of the groups will have um, respite for and just activities for the teen, like the, you know, the non, you know, the, the kids who are not on the spectrum in the family to get together, too. So That's this good. way, everybody in the family is getting support. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Dye, I really appreciate you coming on and, and speaking about this because I learned so much from the conversation. I really did. Thanks for having I me. I did too. Yeah, thanks for coming. Great yes. information. Been very informative. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And I just want to run through um, because you mentioned a few points in, mm-hmm. throughout here. So you mentioned the 504 plan for the schools. Is that what the, yes. that, okay. That plan? So okay, the, the five hundred four is mm-hmm. only for accommodations. Okay. So say for a kid with, you know, maybe dyslexia or ADHD that needs specific adjustments and mm-hmm. accommodations. Mm-hmm. The five hundred four plan is for is for that. the The other plan is the individualized educational plan, which we yes, the IEP. So we didn't mm-hmm. talk about that, but the IEP would be what a child on the autism spectrum would need. That's way more you know, involved. Oh, okay. You have a meeting once a year. And I mean, for Tom, my kid, our, our school, well, the school he's at, we've had multiple meetings a year there. I mean, they're awesome. And um, so at those IEP meetings, you make adjustments to see how he's doing. You know, you have seven or eight objectives every year. So for example, you could say at the end of the year, Tom should be doing, you know, being, you know, more flexible uh, with situations where he's having difficulty. We want to see him to be more flexible 70% of the time. That's a goal. And then they'll have three or four different things under that. Mm-hmm. And then they go to the next one. Maybe in behavior, we want to see this. In academics, we want to see this other thing. You know, mm-hmm. so they have a list of objectives and then they're like sub you know, objectives under those. So it's very extensive. You create that at the beginning of the year, and then that's what the teachers follow. Okay. So that's his plan, which is different from what the kids are going, everybody else is going, that's just for him. Mm -hmm. So that's something the parents can actually ask for, and it should be offered. But if if it isn't offered, that's your right to ask for it and say, hey, I need my child to have an IEP because of this disorder that they have. Absolutely. And you also mentioned, was it understood.org? Yes, understood.org. For info about and uh, Pathfinders for Autism, that's also located in Baltimore? Yes, that's in Baltimore, yes. Okay. And Autism Speaks, that's a national one. Um, So if you guys want to um, visit that, is that a website? Yes, Autism Speaks is a website you can go to. They have a, a kit for people who are newly diagnosed, that can they can pick up the kit, and it gives them a bunch of uh, resources in that kit, awesome. so they can they can get that as well. Great, great, great. 
So if you guys want to get in contact with Dr. Dye, you want to go ahead and let the audience know what sure. your social media accounts yes. are. She does fitness. She's an ER doctor. <laughs> and don't forget, she she is experiencing this with you guys. So if you have a child with autism, just, just remember she's going through it with you. So I'm sure she would be more than happy to answer any questions if you guys want to message her directly. But go ahead and give them your information. Okay, thank you. So the website is drdyefitlife.com. So it's D R D I. F-I-T-L-I-F-E dot com. So my friends call me Di. <laughs> a lot of times people are like, Dr. Di, what is that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, my name is Diana, but many of my friends call me Di. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where the Dr. Di came from. So it's Dr. Di Fit Life. And it's the same handle on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. I actually have a, a Facebook fitness page that's Dr. Di Fit Life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can go on there and you get videos about different workouts. I usually will post my routine. Like if I, you know, do a workout routine and it's a leg workout or abs. Or a lot of the women want to do abs. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yes, you listen, this belly's had four surgeries. I had C-sections, appendectomy, you know. like So, yeah, so the core is mm-hmm. definitely for women in an area that they struggle with. Mm-hmm. So I, a lot of times I'll do... You know, I'll put my routine, what I did on there. And then, of course, diet is a big one, nutrition. Uh, So sometimes I put nutritional information on there as well. Um, For people who are interested in the fitness stuff, I have a fitness accountability group on Facebook. Uh, It's called Fit Boss Culture Club with Dr. Dai. So I run that. Um, Actually, if you go on my fitness page on Facebook, it'll be there. You can just join from there, too. Um, And so, yeah, I help people basically, you know, create a healthy, holistic lifestyle. So that's what I do, whether it's in the emergency department or helping people in my fitness business or talking to people about autism. All of it is really surrounded um, on the, the premise of being better, you know, being a better version of ourselves. Yes. So thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Dye. This is great You're information. Welcome. And I know this information is going to help a lot of people. It's so good. To our audience, our listeners, if you missed anything on today's show and you would like to have a recap, all of this info will be in sh- our show notes on the website at obelshow.com backslash 10. If you would like to get in contact with us, you can email us at podcast at OELshow.com. Our social media, our IG is OEL Show. Our Facebook is On Everyone's Lips. You can contact the feedback hotline at 571-206-8292. There you can give us feedback on our shows. You can give us show ideas. Um, and if there's anything that you want to discuss with us anonymously and would like for us to talk about it on one of our episodes, you can do it there as well. Please subscribe to our podcast on Everyone's Lips with the apostrophe S on iTunes, Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and other platforms that you may consume podcasts. You can also catch us on the True Radio Network under blogtalkradio.com. Please give us a rating. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, but all honest feedback is welcome.